Welcome to the Reach Out Podcast, a show where we explore how researchers at Arbo University and elsewhere use digital technologies to disseminate their knowledge, as well as connect with different audiences. This podcast is supported by generous funding from the Digitalization Strategy at Arbo University Denmark and produced at Arbo University Business School. If you want to connect, follow us on Twitter at ReachOut, that's ReachOut with A-A-U-T in the end. And now let's jump straight into the interview. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Reach Out podcast, the podcast where we explore modern and novel forms of knowledge dissemination in the digital age. And my guest today is Thomas Rüberg. Thomas, hello. Welcome to have you on board. Thank you for the invitation. I'm glad to be here. We are always honored for everyone that shows up here. And since you made it to the list, you've been recommended by some of your fellow researchers as someone who is doing knowledge dissemination particularly well. And we all know nowadays it's a main task. There's a lot of pressure, but also a lot of incentives, internal and external incentives to get our knowledge out to a broader audience. And some of us are obviously doing it better than than others. Some might have been have had an easier starting point. Some just might have figured out a very efficient process. So it's always a good idea to take stock and talk to people about best practice and advice. And our guest today is going to be you. But before we go too much into this topic, why don't we get started with you telling a bit about yourself, the type of research you're doing without going too much into the detail, just to give an idea what you are doing and also the past, how you ended up there. Yes. Okay. Let's uh, start with my name again. My name is Thomas Rüber and I'm a, a professor in uh, PBL and digital learning in the Department of Planning. I'm connected to the UNESCO uh, Center in, in PBL. So it's uh, the Olbob uh, PBL Center uh, for research into uh, the Olbo PBL model, uh, and I'm particularly interested in in PBL and digital learning, uh, or rather how uh, students use technologies as part of their group work, for instance, uh, and also how they use it as, as part of their study life. So I'm I'm really interested in how digital technologies uh, affect teaching and learning. Uh, uh, so interested also in new media and so on. So I've always kind of been interested in, in trying out new media. And I suppose that's also uh, why I have some experience with, with some channels like Twitter and LinkedIn that, that many others are, are maybe just starting to uh, grapple with. Okay, that sounds great, spot on. And obviously you might, due to your interest and your field of study, have a bit of a head start as compared to others, how to do digital knowledge dissemination since you're inherently interested in that and actively doing research on that. So for the rest of us, it's kind of a bit of a mixed picture. As I already said, some are better than others. We all feel the need, but also the incentive or almost pressure, one could say, to get more actively uh, multiple types of stakeholders and audience involved, engaged and interested in, in our research. And my first question is, so how to get started? Yeah, I think really sort of starting with, with not the technology as such or the media, but start to think about why is, is, is research dissemination important to me uh, how is it important? Whom do I want to impact? Why, why, 
would I want to to share my research? What do I have uh, that would be interesting to other people? Who do I have in in mind? And I, and I think we. Um, Sometimes as researchers, we do forget that um, uh, we become very um, uh, engulfed in, in, in our own uh, uh, communities and would talk to other researchers. But, but obviously, there are also people, there's always people outside who are interested in what we are doing. So, so starting to think about, I, I mean, what kind of, of, of people could I engage with? What, what are the questions I think that are interesting? What kind of difference would I like to make uh, in, in the world? I think it's also about, I mean, as a researcher, research that, that you probably want to, to say something about what you're very interested in and, and, and uh, sway public opinions to, to, or, or at least to, to, to give uh, a clue for what, uh, what you're doing and, and how um, uh, it, it can be useful to other people. So I think that, that that's a, a good way to start to really think through, uh, I mean, why do I want to do, do the dissemination and then I think it has to come from. You mentioned pressure, and, and I totally agree. There's a lot of pressure externally for, for doing media appearances and so on. But I, I think the good point would really be to, to start with what what would be in it for me. Uh, what would be my passion? What would um, light my fire in term, terms of doing this? Because I think that's that's very important. If if it becomes sort of a task and very externally uh, motivated things, I, I think it. it it'll become difficult over time. And so that, that's where I've started. Yeah. Yes, I would completely agree. And I guess the internal or intrinsic motivation is the stronger one. And often we as researchers, academics are depicted as being in our academic cocoon and only interested in very specific technical discussion. But I like to believe most of us are not. And most of us would have something to say and would like to address a more general audience and impact uh, uh, broader audience also, but don't really know how to get started with it because quite often their research and on first glance, it's rather technical or it's not completely obvious in the beginning how a general public or a part of the general population would be interested in. So it's always good also to just hear some examples how other people manage that. So now after having talked about uh, a bit in general, let's get a bit more uh, specific. So what are you doing to get your message out into the world? I think uh, in terms of digital media, uh, to, to, to start with that, I have been on Twitter since 2009, I think, because it was a new uh, media. It was interesting from a learning perspective. That was why I was there. Um, so I do occasionally tweet about my research and and also I follow a lot of researchers. I mean, I, I use Twitter as a network uh, for, for all kinds of stuff. It's a very mixed network for me, but I think following other people, seeing what are they working with. So I learn a lot from that actually by growing my personal learning network. I, I get a lot of, of, of stuff in, um, but of course also I, I push out and I, I try to share call for papers, uh, what I'm doing and so on. And Twitter for me is also kind of a, a personal medium where I also sometimes get a bit political, for instance, personal. And then it, it's a very mixed message uh, medium for me. Uh, and I think also we, we should recognize, I mean, different platforms have different tonings or different kinds of um, uh, rationale. So, so and, and, and Twitter for me is like a, a mix of, of, of a lot of things. And then from a platform perspective, I've, I've picked up uh, 
working with LinkedIn more actively. Uh, I, I don't know a year ago. I mean, I've been I've been using it for many years and had a, a two thousand connections, something like that. But I think it has become uh, much more useful. It's become more interactive. More people are are playing along. More people are interested in 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 using it as a platform to 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 really sort of engage with others. So I've started to use LinkedIn quite a lot and and do at least some uh, updates, uh, if not monthly, then at least uh, <laughs> by month or uh, every other month, something like that. But try to, I, I mean, to, to me right now at the moment, it's very easy because we've just had COVID. So digital learning is, is, is all the rage. Mm-hmm. So it makes it, I, I mean, if I was studying medieval clothing, it, it might be, 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 be different. But, but, but I mean, Right now, I try to to sort of write posts about. Um, I, I would say take a different perspective. I, I try to not not provoke. I wouldn't say, but to provoke thought and be thought provoking, uh, and take other perspectives and try to take some of the very advanced issues that are going on in in in, in research uh, uh, circles and then and then bring them into a more. Um, public uh, space and, and take some of those discussions and, and put them in and 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 share them um so so that's uh, i think is, is something that's very effectively and and it doesn't have to be provocative uh, but 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 somehow thought provoking um I think that's and I, I think that's really interesting, and I've been getting a lot of uh, feedback and and um, uh, replies, comments, and so on. And that's so, so that's that's one aspect I think of of active research dissemination to to the public and and and, and networks. Mm, that that's a good point actually, because in academia, at least like in my circle, I know we also use Twitter for quite some time, and some of us are better than others, or some of us are I would say more natural tweeter than others. But I see LinkedIn coming in more and more now as well. And up to now, I kind of neglected it, but I see it's used in a quite different way. While on Twitter, you have very short and limited uh, communication, 140. uh, I see that LinkedIn is more used in a kind of like a blog-like context, basically. Okay, I write a blog post about this and that topic, and I share it with all my contacts of LinkedIn, which basically, to some extent, takes the function which before your own research a blog on your website would have had. Yeah, exactly. It, it's more like a blog and that you, you can post something or you can write an article if you want to, to make it a bit longer. So yeah, recently I just wrote an article well, or, or just shared, I, I made some videos in uh, last semester and the fifth semester in the autumn um, where I, uh, it was about learning theories and technology and i thought hey we have the videos why not just share them because i mean i don't know maybe somebody would find it interesting <laughs> and and certainly somebody would do so so i shared those on on a, in a linkedin article and made some links for the videos and and i mean a, a lot of people also found that interesting and i can see that at, at least they've been viewed uh, uh and 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 some people also i, I think that's also very important for me with LinkedIn because it's not only about doing digital media and getting a lot of uh, likes or comments, which is always nice and it's nice to engage in debates. But I think to me, it's also um, an entrance into getting in contact with people because then p- 
people say, oh, you, you said something very interesting on LinkedIn. Could you come and do a, a presentation at our school or in our company? And and that might lead to uh, uh, something like a, a project collaboration, certainly where you say, well, well, wow, we could be interested in how, how could we how could we work more on this and we could start to talk about doing a common research project or maybe they want a group from Open University to come and do something. Uh, maybe they want an intern or what is it called practice studies. Uh, maybe they suddenly are interested in 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 in, in uh, PhDs and and so on. So I think it's to me it's also about moving it into other types of of, of collaboration. Great example, and that would have been one of my questions. I thought about anyhow to come with a more concrete example. So basically, you had some material anyhow, which in this case conveniently was videos, and then just throw it out and see what happens. So that's also an advice you would give others. So just throw out your material and see how it bounces, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think to me, and I had a discussion with with a colleague about this uh, actually, because I think we've. <laughs> tended historically to see our lectures and our material as very private stuff that yet mm. that should be kept within uh, the confines of the lecture hall mm. and and I kind of think well why not open it up and and really make it available and like lect not not every lecture and that, that's not what I'm saying but I'm saying if I have this video and I've used it with some students, why not say, well, there might be other people that would be interested in this. Uh, I don't know who they are, but 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 they might come across this and that might result in two contacts that will pick up and, and do something. And and for the videos, for instance, there was actually uh, uh, another, uh, a, a colleague in Oldborough University said, oh, this is great. This fits right into my course. I, I really look for something uh, more theoretical about learning because the students, they don't always reflect on this and that aspect. So that was really helpful. So I've used your videos as part of my teaching and, and stitched it into to, to my... Um, so, so I think, I mean, sharing material and making it available as much as possible is, is an excellent opportunity to, to come into contact with others. And, and I think also... That was what I discussed with this colleague. Uh, we, we were totally in, in agreement because I don't think often we talk about we lose our value if we put up videos <laughs> or our slides. Um, then then we give away our, our our content and our knowledge in a sense. But I don't think that's that's really true because I think what people are interested in uh, is not necessarily a, a lecture video. I mean, what we do as teachers often we organize and we. Um, we like tour guides. I mean, uh, it's not like just photos of, of, of different places. We know we, we take people on a travel and uh, welcome them into um, a subject. We, uh, I mean, so we guide much more. There's much more than just the lectures we do as part of teaching and, and also as part of our research is more than just the papers. So so I think we should not be afraid of, of, of sharing those objects, the static objects of knowledge, because what we can really do is that we can tie them together and we can make the links between them and, and we can make the connections. So so sharing material is is, is a great way to, to get in touch with people. I would certainly encourage people to, I, I mean, have the, the courage also sometimes to say, well, let's try to throw it out there and see what happens. Uh, and if nothing happens, uh, I mean, uh, no harm done. And, and, and if two people contact you, 10 people contact you, then it's a win, I think. And 
I think that's also great advice. And I love the uh, metaphor of the tour guide. I think that one I have to pick up as well because it's very compelling. And up to now, in most of the talks, we talked about research dissemination in terms of, I wrote this paper, I have this project, let me tell tell you as a researcher, you as general public more about and how what is the medium of it. But what you're highlighting here and what I find which is a good and valid and somewhat neglected point is that most of our research is obviously also embedded in our teaching. And our teaching is might be naturally a better uh, medium to communicate to a general audience than what we would write in a paper. Oh, yes, yes. So, uh, I think our papers are, for a good reason, they're very specialized yes. and, and, and they cater to a particular audience. <laughs> so I think we need to, I, I mean, some people would be interested in the papers also, uh, people that are not researchers, but, but, but I mean, often the papers are very difficult to, 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 in, to engage with. So I think we do need to find um, other kinds of, of spin-offs, uh, spin-offs from 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 the papers and and ways of communicating our messages that are uh, uh, that that's usable in other media. Like like teaching is also a way of communicating uh, our, our research. And I think yes, teaching or uh, presentations. If we do uh, uh, a keynote or a presentation somewhere and we have the recording, well then why not share it and so on. So you know, the, 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 those kinds of objects are. Are interesting to share, I think. And the great point is that we are at a very good uh, moment in time actually to do so, because before, if we would have talked about it a couple of years ago, most people might be struggling with that and they would say like, well, I have some slides to share, but that's as far as it go. Fortunately, many of us produced a lot of digital material throughout the last year. So if not getting started with that now, when then, I would say. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a really a window of opportunity in a sense, and and I, I mean we might also think how, how how am I going to use some of if if you others have produced videos, I mean how can we actually also use that in 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 the semesters to come? I mean, are there ways to engage with the students where they can use the videos and you can spend more time talking to them, discussing with them, and so on? So, I think there are ways we can really start to think about how uh, uh, this kind of uh, uh, the, the pandemic period have, is also um, an opportunity to, to, to think differently about how we're going to, to, to do things in the future. Yeah, and I guess like a, in terms of teaching, it opened a lot of windows of opportunities. Since we already have to do it digital, at least like for me, the first step was, well, if I anyhow have to give my lecture uh, online, so I will not have a lot of interaction with the students throughout. Why don't just pre-record it? But there seems to have been like kind of a big stigma about it. So yeah, if we don't do it live, then it's not a real lecture, even though it's absolutely nonsense. <laughs> so yeah, for I, sure, yeah. you should have a Q&A then together, but that's kind of a different segment. Yeah, I, I think it, it's a very interesting point. And I know it's a bit beside research dissemination, <laughs> but... Yeah, but I, it's I okay mean, to sidetrack yeah, a bit. It, it, it's, it's I, I think, I don't know why we, we, we stick with the lecture format online, because <laughs> what what we also hear colleagues say, they say, oh, it's really frustrating. All the students, they've turned off their cameras and I'm just, I mean, I'm speaking into a dark wall, uh, the, 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 the black void, uh, the Zoom death. And, and, and that's really true because, I mean, for the students, it doesn't matter if they see each 
other. It's only a bit of noise. But for the teacher, of course, sitting there live and, and talking to this uh, wall is, is just not very conducive to teaching. So I think much like you, why not try to <laughs> pre-record and see what happens? And then we can go and discuss, which would be a better format for online. And I think, I mean, it, what what we have done in in the pandemic um, uh, is is often I use the um, metaphor of, of filmed theater. I don't know whether it makes sense in in, in English, but when the film uh, the motion picture came out initially, I mean it, it was very much mm. the theater. It was filmed mm. theater. <laughs> That's also what we could do. But but it the motion picture hadn't found it its, its own language it, that you could cut between the scenes and you could do all kinds of stuff. That wasn't there initially. So, so what we're also doing now is that we're, we're, we're sort of bringing, bringing lectures online and, and maybe that's not what, what we should be doing. And, and I think that's also the same with, with, with research dissemination. In a sense, we need to rethink it a little bit for the medium. I mean, we, could just, we, we can, of course, share our papers and say, oh, I wrote a great new paper. It, here it is. Uh, <laughs> and then the usual 10 people will read it and, and no. otherwise you need to sum up the papers to make a small short video about it so, so we need to think of other ways to 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 engage when we engage with the public that's that's a great point as well um maybe short your narrative again to how do you how did you call it theater movie and i i, I forgot the exact narrative but it's a it's a perfect narrative because yeah we're taking what we had before and basically replicating it digital without taking into account the particularities of the technology and the medium. So one of the first thing I started to realize then as well, so if you're not bound to this uh, one and a half hour slot, why don't you split it up the thematically in 15 minutes videos, which are way easier to consume and like kind of within a narrow topic. And it turns out to bring the link back these ones are actually way easy to share online also and to get some traction because quite often yes. we are interested in a kind of a, in a particular topic around 15 minutes, but not necessarily interested in our free time, watch one and a half hours a lecture about topic X, Y, Z. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I mean, because I'm, I mean, uh, on online videos, I, I think it, it's best to keep them short and 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 particularly something around fifteen minutes seem to be. That's even a lot, I think. Uh, actually, but 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 for students and, and many others, it 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 works. Uh, so I think definitely thinking differently about. Um, we need to think differently about lecturing when 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 we do things um, online and 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 also dissemination wide, of course, because I don't think most people would live through a, a forty five minutes uh, lecture and and certainly not uh, people who are not students and 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 might not uh, yeah be studying that particular subject. Okay. This I actually loved, loved this point and it was novel uh, so far. And for whatever reason, I haven't uh, explicitly thought about just to use our teaching as a medium to gain uh, traction in the public, because often that might be more interesting to a general audience as well, and already more in their language. But not always we have the luxury to uh, teach exactly what we're doing research on, even though I would like to do it all the time. I many of the things I find interesting I don't teach and some of the things I teach I also don't find too interesting if I am more yeah among us but 
if I would like to really get my research I'm doing at the moment out, I think like, yeah, it's technique, it's specific, it maybe has a lot of statistics because that's what you have to do to publish a paper in my field, but it has a good general message for a bigger audience. But I don't really know how to reach it. And for sure, I could tweet it, but I know who's following me on Twitter. It's pretty much of my academic uh, crowd as well. So yeah. what would be, what do you think, what would be the first step? For sure, we have to think about uh, how to, what could be our audience and what could be our message. But having done that and having somewhat an idea who could be interested in that? So how do we reach these people? Because quite often they are not the people which are naturally already embedded in our network. No, that's true. But but I, I mean, it, yeah, it, it different. But but I think there's always um, in between options for, for 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 publishing. I mean, doing more like dissemination also in writing. I mean, if you're within schools, I mean, they have a, a lot of magazines that are for teachers and so on. Mm -hmm. So it's also about reaching out to some of those kinds of, of um, like uh, there's a big folkeskolen.dk uh, is for, for, the, for the public school, the, the primary school, and it, it's, it's a great online media. And, and that's also where one could actually start to debate and 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 so so I think there's a lot of um, uh, networks for for practitioners, magazines for practitioners that that one could be more aware of and and maybe also spend uh, even though it doesn't pay uh, any BFIs, but but spend some time actually trying to communicate uh, research through those media because I think it also <laughs> it gives back, it gives you contact. Somebody will say that was very interesting in, in our company. We have exactly this challenge at the moment. Could you come and give a talk, and maybe we can find out something more later? So I think it's it's also about really trying to engage those through those channels where where people are, and, and that of course takes a bit of um, not research, but 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 trying to figure out where 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 is my audience or potential audience in a sense. Yes, that's a very good point. And I think by now, most of the people, I like to believe all the people which are listening to the podcast will be motivated in finding new forms of uh, reaching various uh, types of audience. But as you already said, we it's not necessarily rewarded in our academic incentive structure, at least not directly. So even if we would now know how to do it. It's very time consuming. I figured it out on my own as well. We had our podcast. Doing a podcast yeah, is very time consuming and it's not always uh, fits in your time frame. Then also like kind of being active on Twitter is very time consuming. And I could sum up all the different media channel, uh, channels as well. And often then I come to the conclusion I don't have time for all of that. But then I remind myself, you always have time for everything. It's only a matter of priority. So it's not prioritized high enough. So how did, did you, do you get yourself motivated and spend that spending that time and energy in it? And maybe you already hinted a bit towards it, but what do you think do you get out of it? And do you maybe have some concrete examples what benefits you got out of it? Quite concretely, for, for the more um, research-oriented use of, of, of LinkedIn, I do get a lot of feedback and I do get a lot of appointments. And I, I you know, I come into contact with people, uh, uh, various companies or uh, people who want to, to say, could you, could you come and, and do two hours uh, workshop uh, and, and so on. So, so I think it actually 
pays back uh, quite instantly. But that, of course, <laughs> you you have to be interested in, in in doing this kind of of, of external collaboration, and and mm-hmm. that's very central to me. Uh, so so and and I think if. if I think we need to have some 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 passion, and and there needs to be a, a, a need for yourself as a researcher. You have you have to feel that it, it gives you something. If it, if it becomes the extremely externally motivated, it, it's just going to be. And I, I really don't think the the university should sort of <laughs> push everybody to to do something. Uh, it, it's it's short sighted. It it has it has to has a meaning to people. It, it has to be meaningful. Um, so I think it's also something. <laughs> if one really thinks I, I I cannot do this, I think uh, go and talk to your head of department or your, your research group manager and say, well, it doesn't make sense to me. I really don't want to feel that pressure. <laughs> Relieve me of it. Uh, but I think uh, on the other hand, I think most people can actually benefit from from uh, working with others, get, getting other other perspectives and and also input from practitioners but but i think it opens to so much possibilities for collaboration of doing joint projects uh, that might start very uh, at, at a low key level but then suddenly become uh, uh, big research uh, uh, projects that that you apply for and maybe you get and so on so i think there's a lot of of, of dividend or payback over time karma i, I think we could say that's great and very motivating. And I hope if any of your listeners have been in doubt up to now, I guess like now is the, uh, the time to get uh, started for you. So we already talked about how to get started. I guess this was a nice and round journey now already. And we're coming to an end. So is there anything else you would like to give the listeners on the way? Yeah, I think this... <laughs> Having having the guts to to put yourself out there of uh, the, the courage in a sense mm-hmm. and and I mean it is is extremely difficult but but I think try trying to reach out and 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 just try out stuff I mean it's not like it's going to 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 really kill you so I think it's just starting um, uh, and and in modest ways and then. More and more, if 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 it, if it becomes something that that you also feel that you actually like, um, but I I really think that 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 you should also think about how how can this give something back to me? How can the how can it contribute to my research or my teaching and 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 and, and the other way around? That's very true. And actually, you mentioned a very good point. It takes courage partly for us as academics, which are usually used to, we write a paper and then we get a review or we get rejected and we get all these comments. Yeah, this paper is not good enough. You need to change that. Don't take that into account. So I think we are very thorough and very careful uh, creatures in terms of what do we communicate and often we might be blocked is that good enough or no, it needs more editing, but I don't have time for it. So that I don't do it whatsoever. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's that's a good point. We need to sort of uh, not 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 lower the expectation, but I mean, we we can't have a, a LinkedIn uh, post with uh, uh, seventeen references. <laughs> no, no, it, it can't be reviewed, and you can't put in a lot of references. And you also need to communicate different to to another audience and so on. So, so I, I mean, it, it is about um, uh, thinking differently about how to communicate. Just be brave and get started. Yeah. So, thank you very much. 
to you, the listener, and also to my guest today, Thomas Rüber. That was the Reach Out podcast. See you next time.